HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Copper and Kings, pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. For more information, visit copperandkings.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. All right, you are listening to Heritage Radio. And this show, The Speakeasy, is produced by Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit, member-supported radio station devoted to all things food and drinks. Help keep HRN alive by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Do it now. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The All right, you're listening to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. I'm Souther Teague. And we are here today with a really, really amazing bartender friend of ours. And I, I can't believe that we haven't had you on the show before. This is uh, really incredible uh, to have you here today. Eben Freeman, uh, welcome to the show. First of all, I love that, that your last name is Freeman. You're totally free, man. Um, so, Evan is the director of bar development at uh, Everco and uh, Genuine Liquorette. And uh, it's really great to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you. I'm kind of hesitant to speak after that radio voice. I kind of feel like I'm squeaky like this after. All, all you got to do, all you got to do is just. To have a beer and <laughs> let it rip. Um, sure. So thanks, thanks again for coming on the show today. My pleasure, really. Thank you, guys. So um, we met a long time ago. It's great to have you. Um, you've been all over the city and all over the planet, kicking ass and uh, and taking names and and really like you're one of the the people I think about the most when I think about like just straight up like classic bartender people. You know. Um, You've you've had a, a a rich history in the bar world, and uh, and most recently you're at Genuine Liquorette, where uh, you've basically <laughs> turned us all up on our heads, <laughs> turned us up uh, literally everything on its head. Because one of the uh, the main things that you do there that sets it apart from uh, from other bar programs is that you've got the uh, like essentially like based on like a highball style of uh, of mixing drinks. 
you're taking uh, airplane bottles, as we call them often, like 50 milliliter bottles of booze. And you're going full South Carolina style. Yeah, it's it's based on the uh, the bulldog, you know, the Mexican bulldog. You know, where you've got like a frozen margarita. We've all we've all right. Everyone we we've Absolutely. had them before. Like yeah. where you take a like a Corona, a bottle of Corona, and you dunk it upside down into a uh, a frozen margarita, and then you just like get sunburnt. <laughs> That's basically what happens, right? That's yeah. the end result. You always fall right? asleep on the beach, get get burned. Yeah. It doesn't take much for me to get, uh, and I, I would imagine Souther to uh, get sunburned. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that definitely is a, 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 an agitating uh, cocktail for for that to happen. So you took the bulldog as an inspiration, and now you take airline bottles and flip them up into highball style cocktails and serve them just like that. The, the bottle is the garnish. It's they're adorable exactly i mean we put garnishes on there as well but you know i think the beauty of this idea is that it's so simple you know i've done ideas in the past with molecular gastronomy and all that where people were impressed but didn't have the sense that i could do this and i think the best thing about this is people saying why didn't i think of this first and some people are just like is that all there is um you're tempted as an egoist to say, you know, what do you mean is that all there is? But I realize that's really the power in it is people were like, why didn't I think of this before? Why didn't I do this on an airplane? You know, um, and, and, and the fact that they see it as so accessible is much more powerful than something that's so staggering in its complexity that they feel yeah. like they could never do it. Right. So. It's really cool. I mean, like you got your start in the industry working uh, at a wine store. Yep. Correct. And, uh, and like while you were in college, like what, like like most of us, like going fill in, to college, fill in a few gaps for us. So what what happened yeah, between like, the wine store and like, like most of us, genuine like, liquorette? Yeah, we don't really. Like most of us, Jesus, we, we that don't is, use our that degrees. is a big gap because I, I am gaps. an old man, yeah. so you don't want to roll through all that sorted past. But uh, yeah, I was I was into beverage, and I happened to be in a really cool wine store called Crossroads Wines and Spirits, which. Uh, was run by some really old school people um, who had all the minis and the quarter pints and did all that business off of 14th Street. And their son was really aware, way ahead of his time in his relationship with wine importers like Kermit Lynch and Terry Thies. And so we had amazing wine also in the store at the same time. And so I got a real crash course and that like 9 o'clock in the morning we'd be drinking amazing wines or rather the guys who sold it were. I was mostly a stock boy, really, but uh, got some real contact with that, got really excited about wines. And they also had spirits that people weren't really carrying widely in the city as well. So I left there, and then I managed another small st- spot called Manley's that's across from the Corner Bistro. And they had an amazing cellar first full of Californian wine. So I got into all of that stuff, and then I was designing a wine list for a restaurant down the street that couldn't get a liquor license and we'd run the bottles down to them. And that's how I started hanging out in restaurants and dabbled a little bit in serving and did a really bad job and then went back to management. And I managed a restaurant in the West Village called Karib that was uh, a restaurant that advertised every week in the, uh, in the Village Voice. And so, um, so uh, it was a Caribbean restaurant owned by this neighborhood character called Bill Gottlieb, who owns about 20% of the West Village. He passed away, God rest his soul, but uh, he was worth $2.5 billion, but he rolled around in a beat-up car and ripped up shirt and... Uh, and so I was managing there one night, and he never hired men. 
And, you know, I'll take a moment to pause on this, just thinking yeah. about it. <laughs> Please do. I, cause, cause I was talking, yeah, it is a hot topic because, you know, recently somebody in the business got in a lot of trouble, you know, saying something that was perceived as being, you know, um, critical of women or suggesting that women had no place within the craft uh, industry. We all know that this has been a huge year for women bartenders within the cocktail world. And, year? You know, I mean, like, not... Not just a year. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. Like, well, exactly. Well, this year particularly, but these last few years, you know. But it was funny that I was talking with uh, with uh, another old timer like myself, and he's like, you know, I remember when you'd go on job calls and they weren't hiring men. You know, totally. they would only take women, and they'd have an open call, but it was clear that they only wanted female bartenders. And I'll say that over the years, including now, I have conversations with managers who say we need to get a woman behind the bar. Never have I had a conversation where they say I need a man behind the bar. It's, you know? it's true. So this industry actually has been skewed in their direction. We are fortunate for a small time in that the coctologist was seen as being a man, perhaps, but that's changed greatly. So you know, I think, one, we as an industry just deserve a lot of credit for advancing women faster than the cooking profession yeah. does, which is still an issue. But I also want to have a reality check to women who may feel that somehow they've been slighted, that in fact, historically, men have been the one uh, prejudiced against. And to my own story, they never hired men in this restaurant. That was just the owner's policy. But the bartender didn't show up and there was no choice. So I went back there. We had four blenders doing all kinds of blender <laughs> drinks. We'd go through a, a case of rum uh, every night at least. And uh, and I worked that night and made more money in that night than I did as a week as a manager. And I got to go home with all of the uh, waitresses afterwards, which was, you know, I think Thomas Wall was the one who said it was like shooting fish in a barrel that was made out of fish, is what he, <laughs> what he said about Tinder. And so, you know, my motivations to become a bartender were not some lofty calling from God. It was things that motivate everyone around the world, and that is sex and money. Yeah, so, absolutely. Wow. I'd like to tell my fans Holy out there <laughs> who see me as some sort of guru that, that you know, I had some moment with God, but it, it, it was sex and money. Wow. I, Godly so, in its so own way. Godly in its own way, <laughs> sex and money. Um, okay, so now let's flash forward a bit. You're at Genuine Liquorette. You've got this program going that's got everybody super jazzed and excited. I love the idea uh, that that it's attractive to your guests because it's something that they can replicate. Um, you know, I have a similar philosophy at my bar. We don't make anything in-house. Every item we use comes out of a bottle, meaning you don't have any sub-recipes, right? So I, I can – and my, my guests really – Sort of are attracted to the idea that they can buy the bitters at my bar, go buy the booze at, at the liquor store, and go right home and make the drink without having to make something first. So I see the appeal of that. What's uh, obviously, I guess you do. Do you do the bulldog at your bar? Uh, we don't. We don't have a frozen margarita. Um, so you know, uh, there are people who come and ask, "Do you have this in margarita form?" Mm. But there's no can of margarita. Right. I could go to the work of putting all the ingredients into a can to do it, and I've thought about doing a juice box sort of thing, but the well, cost of goods are out there. The RTD, like ready to drink cocktails, are out yeah. there, but oh, they all question. suck. They do, yeah. So, you know, of course, I'd have to have the fresh lime juice and everything, but I use an eight ounce portion of soda wherever I can. Doing eight ounces of the mix of the margarita and then throwing the tequila on top is going to give you a complete unbalanced idea. So, I like the idea of somehow putting a frozen one in a vessel and then flipping an extra bottle of tequila on it. But, um, no, we don't actually do bulldogs. You know, I always reference that as being my. Uh, 
inspiration for it, but it's it's insane. Uh, you know, at one point it was sixty five percent of our overall business, and that's with all of the beers, wines, regular spirits, Amazing. and food being sold down there. What, so what, what's the number it's one really seller? Insane. Number one seller is uh, the. Uh, Paloma, which is uh, a 12-ounce portion. That's the only way I could find it, but it's the San Pellegrino Pompelmo, which, to my money, is the best grapefruit soda uh, available right now. And then it's got uh, Avion 50 mil tipped into it. And uh, and that's is that the is that the vernacular solid. tipped in? Yeah, well, it is it is actually a skill because you got to flip it in there fast enough that the liquor stays in the bottle. Because uh, what's cool about it is that the drink gets stronger as you drink it, rather than the ice melting in the last sip of your drink being the weakest and you know least satisfying. This because of capillary action, the liquor slowly bubbles down into the drink, and by the end, it's actually at its strongest. So if you flip the bottle correctly, it's pretty fun and cool, as you've probably seen when you had a bulldog, is that it bubbles down like a water cooler, and if you've got like a dark rum in a clear bottle like we have with the Zacapa, it's it's a great visual that just adds capillary to Capillary action. <laughs> yes, yeah. sir. I like that. That's, a, that's a first for this show. <laughs> um, a lot of firsts. So, so... The I'm trying to think of like 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 how it might be. I don't I don't think like like most. I think a, a majority of 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 liquor brands have have like 50 ml bottles, the small bottles. But it must be difficult sometimes to find the right spirit in a in a 50 ml bottle. I mean, like, have you basically? I mean, like, you, you know, obviously, is this you, limiting your 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 Selections. Is what I think well, what you're for one-offs, I can do a ton, and we have you know one of the cutest features is a mini back bar, which we made the little riser that lights up <laughs> just like you'd have for a back bar, but it's all fifty mils. So one of your options there is just to take one of those fifty mils and tip it into any of our sodas and make your own. So we want to encourage people to have, and they do. They feel, oh, I created this then, so I can Instagram it and I own it. But um, yeah, it's tough when it's the ones that we're going through six cases a week. Because yes. they have to make it not only as a promotion for a new product, which a lot of companies do, but they need to be able to supply me regularly. So, for example, Cruzan, just what, it wasn't possible for them to get me enough minis. The minis have to be available in an airplane or in a hotel because they need to be producing enough of them right. that they're out there in the market. But, you know, mm-hmm. once this happened, um, Lynette and the global people from Zacapa told me 50 mil sales sold all of a sudden all over the world with people doing this. And even when I did it, people were like, where the fuck are all these 50 milliliters going? Nobody sells 50 milliliters. <laughs> and so uh, it was definitely one of the uh, one of the things that, Stirred the scene from a brand perspective as well, and I, made made a difference for them. Two two things I wanted to say about that is like, first of all, I, I feel I'm really happy that you're comfortable with saying "fuck" on the radio because Heritage Radio <laughs> Network is totally awesome. allows that. <laughs> um, <laughs> secondly, um, the the amount of 50 ml bottles, like just strictly from a bar management point of view, yeah. Uh, I know it balances out, but like to me, you know, like obviously, the bigger the bottle, the the lower the price is. Like, well, the cost of goods is is totally screwed up, and I can't talk yeah. on the radio. I can swear on the radio, but I can't talk about things that you guys know about that help me oh, sure. um, make that possible. Um, and the people who don't 
know that or think about that are screwed because, yes, going out of a liter bottle and having a soda gun is certainly a much better cost of goods for selling a rum and coke than the way that we're doing it. And we also... Um, because we have the fast casual upstairs, our pricing is really low. So these things are eleven fifty with tax. So rather than the fifteen or sixteen dollar cocktails you'll see in cocktail bars, we wanted to keep them low. So you're also getting a whole can of soda and yeah, serve. Totally. So from a management perspective, all of the f- tiny little sodas and all the tiny little bottles that I have to deal with are just a nightmare. Inventory for me, I mean, we also have 750 bottles on our wall as well as all this mini stuff. So inventory and possible theft possibilities are just, you know, rampant. So I would not recommend it to, yeah, you know, other operators. <laughs> I, I happen to make it work. And certainly the PR value and attention and, and the things that this is leading up to are worth it. But for the average person who says, I'm going to start doing yeah. this in my bar, they're going to discover pretty quickly like that this you, is like just You kind really of like balance it out and, uh, and uh, justify it with like the amount of volume too. I mean, like that's one aspect. I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm the silver lining right here. I'm trying to justify like the happiness at the, uh, you know, um, one of, one of my favorite, uh, airplane bottle experiences was the very first time I went to San Francisco. I was asked to go out and to do uh, a guest bartending shift. One at, uh, Beretta and the other one at De La Rosa, which, uh, at the time Ren Fitzgerald was, uh, running and that's, yeah. that's where we became friends. But he took me for my very first time to the, uh, the Buena Vista cafe, the home of the, the Irish coffee. Yeah. And so we, we slammed some down there and then we got some, some to go. And so the coolest thing was having the, the coffee and the cream and the sugar in a, in a coffee cup, a paper to go coffee cup. Yeah. And then they just give you the Tullamore Dew. Oh, whiskey in an awesome. airplane bottle. So it's like, all right, you know what? This is kind of legal. <laughs> Go to the Golden Gate Park, mix it, and yeah. then you've never heard of Enjoy us. Enjoy your day. You right. <laughs> Not legal at all, but the bar was probably filled with cops. It's the same with the yeah, places totally. there where smoking is allowed still in those yeah. bars in that neighborhood <laughs> simply because those guys go way back and have cops uh, drinking. I mean, you can still go there. over to the turkey's nest in Williamsburg and get a 32-ounce styrofoam cup of beer and yep. walk right into the park. They don't give a yeah. shit. Well, speaking <laughs> of cops, uh, there, there's obviously, like, with such a unique program, such as Amore Margo, uh, having such a unique program, there are people, like, totally copping your style, you know, uh, and I know that that's... copping. Look at you. Yeah, see what I'm doing here? <laughs> hey, man. We're almost 200 episodes deep. I figured something out. Um, there's definitely an issue with uh, brand identity getting repurpose for other places but i think we should and i I know that you you definitely uh have been experiencing a lot of that it's inevitable that's going to happen uh but i would really talk about that But i think Uh, it happens faster today you know well there's social media boom it's out there you do something someone else takes a photo and poof it's up there well, if you'll allow me to pull my soapbox over here from the corner uh, and get on that, you know, thank you. Have you have a word or two on ethics a, for us? The this, this station is and, a giant soapbox, man. You're, and there may you're be already there. Some more of those f bombs dropping as I speak about this, but Fuck you it, know, <laughs> like a week after this got picked up in Grub Street, you know, um, this guy came in from Auckland, New Zealand, and he said, "I have a bar in Auckland, New Zealand, and I'm doing this." He said, "But here's a picture. What I'm doing is with a Coke Zero." 
with a bourbon, with a Jack Daniels stuck into it and a piece of bacon on the can. And I said to him, Soup well, and salad. I said, well, now you owe me twice, I said, for this idea and for bacon bourbon because I invented that as well. Uh, so, um, well, yeah, you know. I mean, you worked with, uh, you were working with Wiley Dufresne and, and Sam Mason. Yeah, and so Sam Mason. Your, your familiarity with, uh, with. Let's call it molecular mixology, and yeah. just like kind of like blending the the kitchen into the yeah. bars is pretty pretty Absolutely. deep. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's you know, the guy came in, and that really doesn't bother me. And I'll say it doesn't bother me when I heard that fifty mil sales are selling all over the place. You know, I knew that people were going to see this and want to do it themselves at their bars. And I, you know, that's that's all in the spirit of things. And you know, I went on and showed people how to do this at home. So. I, like most people, believe that this is all in the public domain, and, you know, I want people to do this uh, if they can. I think the the thing that frustrates me and the thing that I've spoke on before, I've given a seminar on this at Tales of the Cocktail, is that there's a difference with you taking somebody's drink and doing in your bar, even if it's a matter of, you know, I'm just trying to look ways to drum up business and to sell more shit, and this is clever. I have no people, no problem with people doing that. Um, I do have a problem with people doing two things. One is if they are selling it uh, outright, meaning that there are consultants who are working with a restaurant group, and they decide to take this idea um, you know, not even pretend that it's your idea and they're selling it for cash. They're not behind the bar, like, you know, working hard to make a business. They're just outright selling, selling it. your idea. And I have a problem with that. I also have a problem I with, should. um, you know, people who are doing brand work with it. And it's happened to me in the past where somebody decides this is a great serve. I'm going to go on the road with this brand and I'm going to do this serve and all those people people that I meet and do this for are going to believe this was my idea. And again, they're simply getting paid for the idea. So um, so I completely support and believe in the sharing of information. Um, but I also did this seminar to warn young bartenders and that I'm very fortunate because the press, I live in New York where all the press is and the press pays attention to me. So when I did this, it was out there. I have precedent to be able to say, this is something that I thought of before you. But for bartenders throughout and, and this in country, in no way, no way braggy. It's just like, dude, credit where credits due. And, Absolutely. And, and there very well may have been people who did this same idea before me, but they didn't have the platform that I did either. So the you know saying this, I may get angry emails of people like, well, here's a photo of I did the same idea six months before. So I, I know and appreciate that the fact that I have the media platform helps me establish sure. it. It's my idea, and that's why I want to warn young bartenders, you know, who may not have the access to the press, is that these. People who are working for events and brands and stuff like that can come to your bar, see your idea, and because they have a wider platform than you, totally get credit for it and be seen as the people who came up with the idea. And, you know, it's unfortunate that our industry has come to that, but there's so much money at stake now, and there are all sorts of journeyman characters who've who've gotten into the cocktail scene who really don't have any pedigree, didn't really work in bars. They can reference, you know, I worked at, I literally had somebody like try and get a job saying they worked at De- Death and Company, but they'd work the door, you know? And it's like, you can just reference some sort of experience you have, and through social media and brand relations, you can actually build a career in this industry. And, you know, for old timers like us, I can't help but think that's that's kind of fucked up. 
There's yeah. one F bomb right there. Well, no, there'll be plenty more. Um, <laughs> Keep them fucking uh, coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's it is a problem. Obviously, it it has been. I mean, with bartenders and chefs, you know, coming up with uh, ideas that get co opted, and we we are very fortunate, as you said, you know, being here in New York City, uh, in Brooklyn, uh, and we do have a lot. There's there's a higher level of media attention for us, absolutely. So, so a lot of times, yeah, the light is always shining on us. Yeah, and there's, thank God. There's yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot more ability to have your recipes and ideas time stamped. Yeah. In the media, yep. like in, in true media, like than there is in, in most other places. Absolutely. But as yeah, establishing uh, provenance is kind of easy here yeah, that's, yeah and that's it's like you're copywriting that idea at that moment and you have proof and it's like all right I did this yeah this yeah is so you got to call not- people out and that's that's what i'd like to encourage people to do that's really our only le- recourse we don't have legal means there's no intellectual property protection really in our industry so i you know i encourage bartenders everywhere to be careful about what you submit to a recipe contest because that then belongs to them remember that when you're working in a restaurant you develop ideas that belongs to the restaurant you know um you need to be smarter and more informed about it because yes today you instagram one thing of your drink and it's copied and you know i'm really frustrated by people who are too lazy to take that idea and at least improve upon it. I just showed you guys a picture of someone who improved upon the idea or just at least made the effort of making it different. He took a bottle and actually like laser cut it and did the same idea. At least, you know, try and improve or contribute to the conversation. You don't just steal exactly somebody's name, idea, presentation, you know, and be lazy. Absolutely. About it. Well, one of the things that is most important <laughs> for me, and I think for all of us, like something I found when I started bartending and joined this community that we love so much, is that there is respect. Like I, I, I give respect, and I, I like to get respect back. And it's you have to be completely respectful of people's. <laughs> For sometimes uh, uh, lack of or uh, of, of uh, technical like uh, equipment uh, usage, uh, you know, like yeah. you're like oh, you're doing some really amazing shit with uh, just the shittiest ice, you know. And then also at the same time, I'm like, go Dutch Kills, and they've got their own like ice factory. Yeah. Like I respect that too, you know. I. I guess what I'm saying is there's an arms race out here, you know, and that's a whole nother subject. But you have that to have respect. Screwed up in this in this industry is there's bars that have people making customized shit for them, and if you see like the uh, the the competitions now, you know, um, all these world best competitions, people have these elaborate custom made or antique setups that they serve their drinks in and it is becoming a thing where in order to be considered the best bar you have to spend tons of money on your ice on your interiors on your your setups and stuff like that and lots of talented really interesting people in drinks don't get the respect they deserve just because other people have the money and the means to do shit that you can't like you're talking yeah. about. I can't spend a dollar on each ice cube. I don't know how other people do, but you know, right. that's that's what's happening out there now. Yeah, I think there's also 
something to be said about, you know, I, I'm just going to say what we're all thinking. Thomas Waugh, to bring him up to, for the second time in the show today. Just so we all know, and we're all on the same page. The fucking pineapple. Thomas Waugh started the fucking brass pineapple. And now they're everywhere. Let's just yeah. let's now they're that. connected right. to a big brand that could afford to manufacture them rather yeah. than buy them off of eBay, and it was and not his means to do what those companies were. Right, I totally co-opting a, his, his I was idea. A, now, I don't know is he a part of that? Is he, is no, he no, 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 no. But but also there's you know uh, I was in a bar the other day and. I was like, all right, I, you know, you know what? I want like some sort of scotch sour kind of thing. And it's, I'm not saying names or a place or anything, but this kid made me a penicillin cocktail. Yeah. Didn't call it a penicillin cocktail. Yeah. But it was by spec a penicillin yep. cocktail. And I had to, I just had to. I was like, yeah, I, I love the penicillin cocktail. He's like, no, I'll call it this. I'm not even going to tell you what he was calling it because it was a stupid name. Um, but he was like, he totally tried to own that idea. And granted, the reason why the penicillin cocktail is such a worldwide phenomenon is because it is a true modern classic. Yeah. These are all ingredients. It's two different scotches, lemon, honey, and ginger. I mean, yeah. it's it could have been made... 150 years ago. Absolutely. In any bar. But the thing is, this nameless piece of shit, (laughs) uh, fucktard, was... (laughs) Well, I don't know how you guys feel, but but when somebody comes in and orders that drink from me, I feel a little self-conscious about it. And I'll usually make a comment like, well, it's not going to be as good as it is at... uh, At Attaboy? At Attaboy, you know. And I'll even say, this is Sammy's drink. I don't juice ginger. I have a ginger syrup, so I'll make it for you. But I I always, even in that, which is a drink that has, you know, been co-opted by everybody, I feel somewhat weird about making it in my bar somehow. I don't know if you guys feel that same way. Yeah, I'm like, at the end of it, I was like, dude, you know this is the penicillin cocktail. And he was like, whoop. And you could tell that he knew. He was just trying to, like, own it. But, I mean, was he is he in that same situation that, that Evan was just talking about? Is he just a young bartender who's kind of ill-aware? Well, no, he was things... he was absolutely aware. Okay. He was just trying to, like... I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Trying to steal that. <laughs> Fuck that guy. No, no, no. And I was like, you do realize that this drink is... Was it me? Popular world. <laughs> no, you don't have juices at your bar. Listen, I do a lot of things when I drink. I, <laughs> I know. I, can't, uh, I cannot be held responsible I, I, at all yeah, times. Yeah, I, I remember last night, kind of. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I was like, dude, you, you do realize that... You, have you ever heard of Brooklyn Brewery? Which is also a worldwide... Phenomenon. Known <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah. Juggernaut of beer yeah. deliciousness. I was like, so... They actually based one of their beers on this fucking cocktail, dude. Like, you're not getting away with shit. Like, you have to realize that. I don't know, like, what part of, like, the bar community you think you're in, man. But this is, like, we all know each other. And actually, like, customers also are well-equipped with the information, which, again, is something that I, we all agree on should be out there. I, I love the educated guest. Um, the, the guest that I don't love is the, the you know, what's the old saying? A, the vodka a, not too sweet. A little, a little information is a dangerous thing. Yeah. The, that's the guest that, that get, catches me. But then that's a teaching opportunity. So I love that guest too, I guess. I yeah, love sure. them all. I, I feel like we've just been bitching for 30 minutes. Um, but <laughs> Our first bitch session. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, so let's get back on track here. Genuine liquorette. 
doing awesome stuff. Yeah. Evan, you're a fucking awesome bartender. I love you. I, Thank I, you, it's, sir. It's always good hanging around you when I when I get a chance to. Yeah. Um, and, uh, man, we're at the end of the show. Wow, yeah. that was fast. It goes well, by fast. Well, if I could fast. put a quick plug tonight, uh, if anybody's out there, we're doing a Jim Beam event. We're going to have little uh, upside-down drinks with all of their products uh, from 7 to 10. Got a DJ. And Adam Harris I'm is behind be the there. bar, and Adam Harris and I think Phil Amazing. Pepperdine as well are going to be down there. Yeah. So uh, awesome. so please come on by and, uh, and get a free upside-down drink if you haven't had one yet. Drink upside-down drinks and then get upside-down. Yeah. Let's get twisted. Awesome. Check out Genuine Liquorette. Check out Evan Freeman. He's one of the best in the biz. And check out Heritage Radio Network for many other programs like this one. Until next week, I'm Damon Bolte. And I'm Southern Teague. And this has been The Speakeasy. Cheers, guys. Hey, what's up? This is Jack Inslee, the executive producer of Heritage Radio Network, also the host of Full Service Radio. And I want to talk to you about Brandy. Uh, I was lucky enough to visit Louisville, and we all know Kentucky is whiskey territory. However, the best thing I had to drink was brandy. I got to visit Copper and King's Distillery, and they make pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels, matured with rock and roll. That's right sonic aging they're playing music to the barrels the stuff is double distilled non-chill filtered unadulterated by bois sugar or caramel color and this stuff is feisty rambunctious with a long smooth finish the stuff isn't made exactly in the style of an international brandy or a cognac it's more along the lines of an american whiskey i can really be honest here and tell you i'm not just reading you an ad i'm giving you a tip american brandy you're not seeing it everywhere copper and kings is doing it incredibly well and they're cool people the distillery is full of incredible art like i said they're playing rock and roll to the barrels so again copper and kings pure copper pot distilled american brandy aged in kentucky bourbon barrels that's copperandkings.com Drink it neat, put it in a cocktail, sub it for your brown spirits, experiment, have fun, get funky. This stuff is awesome. 